Good day, nerds. This is Megan with another Cantina conversation for you. Today's episode features Annette Chavez Macias talking about her book, Big Chicas Don't Cry, available now. And this was really enjoyable book, really enjoyable conversation. It was just really interesting learning how, you know, her personal life influenced the story of the Garcia, <clears throat> the Garcia Primas. And also um, just how her experience of starting a, a book with a completely different pen name and kind of starting from scratch in terms of kind of being a, a debut author again. But um, anyway, I'll, have, I'll let you guys listen for yourselves. Here is Annette Chavez Macias. So today we've got Annette Chavez Macias. We're talking about Big Chicas Don't Cry. It's out now. Um, Annette, thank you so much for joining us today. I loved this book. Um, I I think I got like three quarters of the way through and I just powered through the rest of it. It was just, <laughs> I needed to know how everything turned out. <laughs> it was so good. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm half Mexican. So a lot of this stuff, like little nuances, little tidbits, the little habits, the little, um, just the overall vibe. I, I loved it. I loved every second of it. So, um, I'm excited to, you know, sit down and, and, uh, d- dive a little bit deeper today. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for the invite. And I'm so yeah. glad you love the book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, to get started, how about you give like a little summary um, of the book so that, you know, people who haven't read it can kind of still follow along with the conversation. Sure. So the the book actually follows four um, Mexican-American cousins, um, and it takes place over the course of uh, one very eventful year in their lives. So the cousins um, grew up together and were more like, I mean, there's a pair of sisters in there, but they all just had a very close relationship when they were younger. And then um, one of the cousins' parents um, get divorced and she moves away and she becomes, um, as as they become adults, she is estranged from the family. So the book picks up, you know, when they're all in their, their late 20s. And the the book is told in alternating points of view. So you get basically, it's basically like four books <laughs> in <laughs> one because each cousin has a, a journey to take. And so um, each cousin has a voice in the book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that was, I think that's part of um, that kind of like writing choice. That's like part of what makes the reader like okay next chapter okay next chapter when when are we gonna back get back to this cousin when are we gonna back get back to this cousin so um it definitely worked and i but i loved it because um yeah they all four of them as you said were on their own little journeys and you know nothing is as it seems on the surface obviously so that was i i love the way that you did that okay so kind of going off of that like what what was it like writing from four different points of view and like biggest challenges or biggest lessons learned? Um, why did you choose to do that versus two or three or just one um, mm-hmm. stuff like that? Um, you know, this book, uh, it took me several years to finish. Um, it was something that I would write a little bit and then I put it away, you know, for a little bit and then I take it out again and, and write. So um, I'm actually not really sure like how it just came to be that I was writing from each cousin's point of view, other than I really, even though, you know, different things may have changed or, you know, altered a little bit as I was writing, the the core message of the story or the, the core plot, I guess, was about the cousin's relationships with each other. And so for that, to me, I needed to tell it from all four of their points of view. And it was challenging some of the early feedback that I got. And, you know, even now some people, you know, they get, you know, maybe get a little bit confused about which cousin they're, you know, that they're reading about. So that was a challenge to try and one, make them very distinct personalities and then also have very distinct voices. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, Erica, she is the one that, you know, likes to use a lot of um, Mexican bad words, um, <laughs> as well as English, English curse words, whereas Gracie is the one who talks to God. 
Mm -hmm. um, in each of her chapters. So, so it was, it was, you know, making the conscious decision to, okay, Erica's, I'm ta I'm writing Erica's point of view right now. So I need to throw in, you know, an F word here, <laughs> you know, to, to let the reader know Erica is the one who's, who's thinking, who's talking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say that's, that's pretty common when people are, when the authors are writing from different points of view, just to like make it that just a distinct. So that's the reader doesn't have to do extra work or, right. and then it doesn't take away from, you know, the flow or the cohesiveness and being able to, to tie all those stories together, just making mm -hmm. sure that, yeah, people aren't confused. They're like, wait, who are we with now? And right. um, I, 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 I really liked all four of them. I don't think I disliked any of them really. Um, oh, good. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I mean, of course, um, I don't even know. I think there's like little parts where you're like, girl, like, come on, what are you doing? But <laughs> I, that's, you're going to find that with like any character. I feel like <laughs> they're just yes, like, wait, yes. no, just talk to this person or no, just say something or just, you know, focus. Or like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Erica might've been my favorite though. Just, I think because of uh, how blunt she is and outspoken <laughs> and, um, but I did like all the other ones for their, for their little uh, quirks and, like poor Gracie, you know, she's, she's not like super innocent, but she's, and, but you know, they all tease her for being yeah. a prude. And it's like, well, it's like, yeah, of course. Like, cause she's like the Catholic school, like first grade teacher. So it's like, right. you know, you know, she's, she's got a, um, there's part of like, that's such a big part of her still. And, um, yeah. And then Selena, who's, you know, dealing with not only like her, she doesn't know what she wants to do with her career, but then she's also like, dealing with these complicated feelings for her friends with benefits situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mari, of course, I think it's easy to, I don't know. It's easy to feel for her for mm -hmm. sure. Cause mm -hmm. you know, there's always, and all four of them, like the common theme is like, you know, they're dealing with these feelings, but they're also, that's only like one part of, you know, love isn't the only thing they're chasing. Right, it's right. all of them want something more like they want more of a purpose or they're striving for that next step or, you know, they're still dealing with something that's in front of them that is, doesn't necessarily have to do with like romance, you know, mm -hmm. which, which I think was, yeah, I, I, I think it makes that much more interesting and just really made it, all the characters much more interesting too. Cause you know, with their late twenties, you hope they're not still like chasing boys around, right? Like right, right. And and also, you know, this I I also write romance, um, as Sabrina Soul. So I knew going into this that I had to have some romance in there, but I also knew, you know, this is um a women's fiction book, and it's the focus should be on the character growth, and you know, it doesn't necessarily. The goal does not necessarily have to be the happily, <clears throat> excuse me, happily ever after at the end mm -hmm. where in romance it does. So, yeah, so that was, you know, interesting, you know, just kind of focus on these other areas of their life um, where they needed to move forward mm -hmm. and, and, and then go back. So in some cases to the romance, like subplot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I feel that, most readers are suckers for romance anyway. Like there's got to get that something like that human element to it. Yeah. To, you know, or it's, it's just really relatable on so many levels. Um, so it, it it's, which is, it's okay to be a sucker for romance in my yeah, opinion. Definitely. I, I love romance. I love writing about, you know, people getting together and finding, finding their soulmates and, so yeah, so of course that's why I had to have some I had to have yeah. some romance in there. <laughs> the will the will they won't they. Right. You know? right. <laughs> um so yeah, you mentioned that your other pen name, um, Sabrina Soul. So like why'd you decide to write this book under um a different pen name? Kind of because I, I was like, you know, trying to look around and see, just do some background research on you. And so like how was how and then how did that like experience turn out like differently, you know, than your previous experiences. So as I had mentioned, you know, this book took me a long time to write. It was actually the first book that I tried to write when I decided I'm going to go, you know, I always wanted to be a published author, but I got sidetracked and I did other things. And then I was about to turn 40. 
So I had midlife crisis. What am I doing with my life? In terms of my dreams, you know, I had, like I said, I had always wanted to be a published author. So when I decided, you know, it's time for me to actually try. So this was the first book that I actually tried to write. I had no experience. I had taken no craft classes. I didn't really, I had one friend who was a published author. So I wasn't, you know, submersing myself into the writing community. I was just kind of going into it blind. And I'm I'm not sure if it was just because of the message, you know, the messages of the book, but I see now that I could not have written this book when I was in my twenties. I had to go through some stuff, you know? And so when I finally was published as um, in romance, I still held on to this book. And even though I was getting things published and, you know, um, I was writing, I still had this, you know, in my laptop and I would work on it and then I put it away and then I'd work on it. And it was a contest. I had heard about a contest where you could enter, you had to enter a um, completed manuscript. And then if you finaled, you would be paired with an agent or an editor who would be your mentor to get the manuscript ready for um, submission. And so that was the push I needed to finish the book, even I had been working on it for years. And so this is just what I needed to, to finish it. And because even though I was already published in romance, by then I was, you know, I was in the writing community, and I had taken some craft classes. And so I knew that this book was different, and that I would need an agent in order to get it in front of um, publishers that um, I thought would would be interested in the book. Mm-hmm. So that's how it was a little bit different because as romance as a romance writer, um, at least you know from my path, I did not need an agent. I was able to get contracts without an agent. Yeah. Um, but I knew, and you know, I credit that to you know actually becoming part of the writing community, romance community, to understanding the reason why I needed an agent for this particular book. So I kind of already knew that I was going to have to do a different name um, because the romance genre is very specific that you need to have a happily ever after at the end. And (laughs) I already knew that that was not going to happen for this book for all of the cousins. So I didn't want to, um, you know, trick readers or, or disappoint them who were following me over from my romance books and being upset that, you know, this was not what they expected. Right. So, so that's why I decided to go with a different name. And once I finally did get my agent, and when I got the offer for the contract, even my editor was, you're basically, this is basically your debut novel as Annette. So we're going to treat you as you've never been published before mm-hmm. because, because I didn't have, you know, readers who knew me as Annette. Yeah. And so it was kind of like starting from scratch. Um, luckily, you know, I have great author friends who um, were with me along the way and who were able to support me and, you know, inspire me and start promoting the book on their end, even though they were romance authors, they were promoting um, okay. my book. And so it just became clear um, in the beginning. I was very, okay, I'm going to keep them separate. You know, I'm going to have separate social media. I'm going to have a separate <laughs> website. And it was just too much. It was oh, just was too it? much. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, also there, you know, like I, I had built some readership as Sabrina. So, you know, they were, you know, my agents and editor was, my agent and editor was telling me, you need, you know, that's, that's valuable that you have already um, a built in, built in readers who may cross over. So, don't hide <laughs> that you're <Yeah>. Annette, right? <laughs> so yeah. I ended up, combi- well, this, the websites are different, but I ended up combining um, most of my social media just because I was like, yeah, let's just tell everybody <laughs> that I'm writing <laughs> under both names. And so I think for the most part, people know that now. If, yeah. if, you, knew me as, if you knew me as Sabrina, now you know I'm Annette as well. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a good learning learning curve too because it's Mm -hmm. like you had both experiences but then not not just from 
actual like the writing and the publishing, but then also when you bring that social media element into it, it is like, cause it's, it is almost like starting over. Like it's a lot of work to start from, yeah. from zero followers, <laughs> you know? And, and yeah, it could be confusing for followers too, who are like, wait a second, like, am I missing something, you know? Right. And so, yeah, that's such a good point that, yeah, that's so interesting. Like, even though you yourself are experienced, it was still a new like you kind of had to start back from the beginning, you know? Yes, yes. it was definitely um, new territory. I've been published in romance since 2012. And once I started, you know, thinking that, okay, I need to build my web presence as a net, it was hard because I, the romance community is so active online. Mm. And so I knew where, you know, if I, if I needed readers, if I needed somebody to help me promote, I knew who to go to mm. um, because I asked because of all these romance author friends that I have. But once I was trying to promote Annette, um, I was trying to target, you know, other authors, but I didn't have those relationships with them. So it's kind of like, you know, like a cold, cold email, you know, or <laughs> flip into their DMs, you know, they don't know who yeah. I am. So it's, it's been, yeah, that's, that's definitely been a challenge to try and grow my presence as a net. Um, so I was very fortunate that I was able to kind of lean into my Sabrina um, corner mm-hmm. and, and pull people over and ask them for help to promote the book. Right. Yeah, I'm glad it worked out. And I think there was um because this was this an Amazon first reads too. I uh, did yes, that help out a lot. I think usually it does, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Um again, because I was not my name was not known mm. in the women's fiction genre. Um with Amazon first reads, you get exposed to all these readers who may not otherwise pick up your book. Right. Um, right. One, because they have no idea who you are. So you don't have <laughs> anything, you know, they don't know what to compare it to. Um, and two, it's just the promotion itself. Because um, Amazon does such a great job of pushing those books who are chosen emails with ads. So they're, you know, they're constantly being um, shared. And, you know, for that, those that one month where people could download my book, for free, you know, I've had some readers reach out and say, you know, I, I read it on my Kindle on Am- because of Amazon first reads, but I loved it so much. And I loved the cover so much that I went and I bought the book too. Yeah. So that's fantastic. That, yeah. So I think that definitely helped with the promotion and just getting my, getting the book cover out there. So even the people didn't know my name, they knew that cover. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of um, touch on that because I, yeah, the cover is like beautiful and um, I, I think it's so, cause like, the colors are so vibrant and bright mm-hmm. and it's, it definitely does have that, like that Mexican American vibe going on. And so I think a lot of people would just not even just, um, you know, people of Hispanic, like Hispanic readers. I think a lot of people, would just see that and like it would catch their eye and it would just like kind of pop out either on the shelf or it's so eye-catching and so what how did that process go was it really similar like you know did you have a vision board or did you just you know (laughs) kind of strike the best luck like how did that go for you um yeah it was definitely luck um you know amazon as with most publishers they send you a questionnaire um, you know, what do you, what are you imagining? What do you think, you know, give us some examples of covers that you like. And so in my mind, it, the cover was going to be like four women or, you know, four hands or something like that. Um, I wasn't even really thinking illustration, um, mm. at all. And then Amazon was able to, to get this artist. Um, and they, I think they sent me maybe like four or five options but you know as soon as i saw that that cover i knew that mm. it was that was it and we really made my we only made like minor minor tweaks like you know placement of my name or something but for the most part that that was the cover the original cover and everybody um who saw it was like oh my gosh yeah this is this this goes with this story 
that's what I wanted. I wanted to make sure that when you saw the cover, you kind of knew what you were going to get inside as well. And mm-hmm. so I think, yes, by seeing that, like you mentioned, the, the colors, it, it just does evoke that Mexican, because you know, the Mexican palette of oranges and reds, just bright, vibrant colors. And then I also loved that the woman on the cover is brown. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was very, very important to me. To yeah, make sure that it was um, obvious that this was going to be a story about um, people of color. Yeah. Yeah, I I enjoy that too, and I I mean the title anyway. It's kind of like, <laughs> and it's and it's so funny because overall, it's even though it's like big chicas don't cry. It's like they are all there are definitely waterworks amongst all the yeah. characters <laughs> and amongst the whole family because it's and it kind of speaks to their overall like attitude where they know it's okay to cry, but at the same time, they're just they have to like try to keep it going they have yeah, to like just strong. try to like move past it they they mm-hmm. they don't have time for this like <laughs> right 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 and then yeah kind of, you know it kind of does tie in also with the latin upbringing where you know the women in the family have to be the strong ones they're the ones who you know bring everybody together mm-hmm. they're the caregivers the caretakers and yeah you're right they don't have time to cry <laughs> they need to <laughs> you know make sure everybody else is okay first yeah yeah but yeah, I love I love that because I just the overall like energy of it and the overall like you yeah with each character you kind of get that like they're mm-hmm. all dealing with their own, but then they have each other and so it's that general like okay yeah like let's do this and then let's move on <laughs> like let's right. let's like let it let it simmer and then wipe your tears we got we got shit to do <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> um so. Okay, kind of going off of like that family dynamic. So like, I love that, you know, you got the matriarch Walitha and she's like her daughter. Well, she came with her kids, right? So mm-hmm. her her grandchildren, not the four primas, but like the primas parents, they're like the first generation technically, right? Because they were all born right in america and mm-hmm. then the cousins are second generation because i'm trying to like you know keep track of that lineage yes. um yes. and because that that history um of what belita went through like when she came over and you know with her kids and by herself and she had to like just you know pull herself up and and care for her babies it was that was such like you know that's such a common not not just for like Mexican Americans either. There's so many like different cultures and countries where like the people that that's that's what they did, mm-hmm. um, and that's and then you see that like trickling down in the later generations, and so what like what was that like for you? What was like the biggest maybe biggest lessons learned about like what was the most difficult part about writing from like points of view that were maybe different than your generation's like you know way of life and kind of how did you like translate that into what the younger generations what their experiences might be like so so i come even though the family is fictional in the book is it was definitely inspired by my own family um mexican-american family so a lot of the situations um were inspired by similar situations that i've experienced um or or people in my family have experienced so it was as far as you know the 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 primas experiences that was um i yeah it was a little bit easier just because on my mom's side i'm second generation on my dad's side i'm first generation because he came he came from mexico so it is like a little bit different kind of navigating you know on my dad's side of the family um nobody spoke english um, my dad learned to speak English when he only after he was already here. So we did not learn Spanish as our first language. We, we learned English. Mm-hmm. And even though somebody or my, my abuelita could speak to me in Spanish, I could only speak back to her, you know, broken, broken Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. So whereas on my mom's side, um, because her and her brothers and sisters were born here, everybody spoke English, everybody, but they also spoke Spanish. So that I don't know how to call it, but it was just, just it's just a different 
um, experience and, you know, kind of blending them together. That I think that did help me right from the cousin's point of view, um, because we did have, there are cousins who are fluent and then there's cousins who are not. Mm -hmm. And that's very typical, I think, of second generation um, Mm -hmm. people who are kind of trying to understand maybe where they come from, but also try and fit in as well. And maybe they're not as connected to their culture as say, you know, a first generation person would or the, the, their parents. And I think all along, as I was writing this, I wanted to make sure that my culture and my family's traditions were part of this book. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think they are so relatable and it's not something, you know, you find in a lot of books, mm-hmm. um, like the tamale making or a quinceanera getting ready mm-hmm. for the quinceanera. So it was a challenge because I am, you know, first generation, second generation. It was harder to write from the point of view, um, from the older family members, mm. um, because I didn't have that experience of coming over to a, to a different yeah. country, not knowing the language. Right. Um, but I heard stories. I've heard stories all my life, you know, of how it was to, to deal with that. And I've heard stories about how my grandparents um, came over here and, you know, had to find whatever job they could find because they had a family to support. So, yeah. So yeah, it was definitely while I, you know, while I experienced some of these things, I was also, learning and I was trying to actually you know I would call my mom and I would say okay so who was it that did this <laughs> and what happened here and and again it's it's may not be exactly as it happened you know to me or my family member but it was it, it, it's there's little hints of my family throughout the book yeah absolutely and it's still someone's story right it's right. still like so yeah. you know yeah and with the like the how the first second generation you know how those things go a lot of it's it, that's just so common and how you know you were saying you can understand her like your your understanding or comprehension was fluent or more fluent than mm-hmm. you're speaking and that's so common yes. for learning a second language where you understand so much but then like when you have to keep practicing to to get it down and to or even just to do it without thinking because I you know I've I've picked it up here and there but um it was it was a little trickier on you know on my side my mom's side because my grandmother she well her family my mom's side of the my mom's mom she's born in Texas but they her their family was in Texas since before it became Texas so it was Mm -hmm. like the border crossed them you know and so that's a I feel like that's a crazy crazy thing all of in itself because it's like that still such a like they they didn't change they didn't have to move (laughs) the life changed you know the way the culture and everything that started to change even though they didn't they didn't do and you know they didn't Mm -hmm. pick up their life essentially and so i think that's a that was such a you know interesting way to look at it too and then um when she moved when my grandmother moved to chicago where i'm like i'm at now um, I remember my mom and my uncles telling me how, like, you know, they they wanted to be as American as possible. My grandmother wanted them to be as American as possible. So she mm-hmm. like she speaks she speaks fluent like she spoke fluent Spanish when she was here. But, you know, my mom was kind of like she only picked it up here and there because they didn't they wanted to be English and they want to be American. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, were worried like my uncle, he he got beat up for speaking Spanish. He got beat up for speaking English. It's right. it's it's crazy you know it's a survival and and then you know by the time it gets down to me and i'm like i know i look white and my last name is like irish so i was able <laughs> to kind of get away with that but that's kind of like where i come um i kind of relate to selena a little bit where you know i you know that's an interesting thing about me i guess is that like my i'm half mexican but like yeah i don't look at but like then people just assume okay so you do do you know how to what do you know how to cook what recipes do you get do you recognize this like piece or do you speak spanish or like what you know and i'm like okay well it's like i can get away with with not knowing a lot because i am, <laughs> you know it's not just a generational thing but it, yeah it's also like you know I don't just, I just let people think I'm a gringa and I like let them on their way. And I, I just, you know, 
it's like yeah okay whatever but yeah and that's that was like part of it why i um this story resonated you know with someone like me for example um and i i think definitely it's gonna resonate with those those first and second you know generation readers like yourself and not just you know not just come mexico coming almost from like you know all those stories similar stories can be found you know no matter where you come from um just losing it's just like the language trickling down or just trying to assimilate all of that and and it's yeah it's like so there's so many interesting stories like that and i i love that people tell those stories and that Mm -hmm. you know it's it's awesome so is two-part question. So what were the most challenging parts to write? And then what were the most enjoyable parts to write? So I think the the most enjoyable for me were definitely the scenes where all the cousins are together. Um, and just, you know, the camaraderie and, you know, the banter. Because I, you know, that's my family. When we mm. all get together, you know, everybody's shouting because everybody's talking at once and you can't hear everybody (laughs) and everybody's always, you know, what's the latest gossip with this person and what Mm -hmm. happened here and who's date, who's dating who. And so that was, that was definitely um, enjoyable because it was, because it was, you know, I just pictured my family when they get together and um, like the tamale, tamale making scene in the beginning of the book that we, that's, that's us. We make tamales every Christmas Eve morning. Mm-hmm. It's like the Garcias. And that's what it is. It's it's mainly the women in the family. We all have our, you know, assigned jobs, assigned tasks. Yeah. And, but in, and as we're talking though, you, and I mean, as we're making tamales, we're, we're catching up and we're, you know, getting advice or something. So that was definitely enjoyable. So probably the most difficult would have been um, the deeper, darker scenes. So, you know, without spoiling it too much, there is a death that happens on the page. Um, so trigger warning for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was very hard. That was mm-hmm. very hard to write. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause you definitely want to be authentic, but it's you. Yeah. It's, it's, you gotta be a little careful too. It's like right. how, how deep in do you want to, do you want to go like, yeah, obviously readers get the gist, but it's like to really go a little bit deeper to really make that a deeper connection. It's mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta dig in with yourself here too. <laughs> right. So that could right. definitely, yeah. And um, I think because also, you know, the book was so personal, um, you know, every t- I I just listened to the audio version, maybe like a few weeks after the book came out and I was just crying. <laughs> the whole time you know <laughs> even though i knew what scenes were coming yeah i was still you know a mess <laughs> yeah so, yeah and it's so, and i think it's just because it was it was very personal and some of the harder scenes you can imagine it happening to you know your loved one so that was hard yeah yeah and it's it's just also like the sudden it doesn't happen out of the blue but it's just like it's just how how quick it can things can change right just with right. that one incident and mm-hmm. how it just everyone shifts and ev- the the energy shifts and everybody mm-hmm. and it affects everyone even though you know deep down it's no like yeah like everybody dies but like it's 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 different once like when it happens and you're like they weren't prepared for it or and then you see like the aftermath where they're having a hard time because it's, you know, it's like, yeah, of course this, you know, this person wasn't always going to be there, but at the same time they're like, but wait, like, this doesn't seem like a long time at all. This doesn't right. seem, this is not enough time. Like, what are you talking about? You know? And mm-hmm. yeah. And no, I, I get that. I get that for sure. So um, what, what character do you relate to the most out of the four points of view? So this is hard. Because I think there's a part of me in, in each of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some things that I like about myself that are in each of them. There are things that I don't like about myself that are mm-hmm. each of them. So, mm-hmm. but when I was writing it, to me, 
the voice that was the strongest. Um, and I don't know if maybe that is because I relate to her, um, was Erica, um, just because she was more feisty, but then at the same time, I don't consider <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. But I think maybe just her that she was so for her, especially it was so important for her family to stay together, to stay connected. And I think I could definitely see that about me as well. Mm. Um, with Mari, I Mari was the hardest character to write actually um and i'm i'm wondering if it was just because you know she was her situation was taking place outside of the family and that was hard for me to relate to because mm. i'm so close with my family i could never <clears throat> imagine myself being so mad or, you know, being so upset that I would never talk to my family or yeah. you know, I wouldn't talk to my family as much. Um, I mean, I live like 10 minutes away from my mom. <laughs> so <laughs> I and I can't imagine, you know, not having not being at Christmas, not being at birthdays. So Mari was the hardest um, mm -hmm, to write. So mm -hmm. Maybe for her, um, I couldn't relate as much. Whereas Gracie you know, um, kind of, you know, that being naive about the world a little bit, um, I could see, I could relate to that as well. And also with Selena, just kind of trying to figure out about her culture and her heritage and trying to not not embrace it, but not, you know, be as I guess, out there with it. Mm. Um, because of her career so I, like I said it's just I think a little bit of me is in, is in all of them so I could relate a little you know I could relate to all four of them yeah yeah I I loved I love that too because I was trying to think about like who I relate to the most and I, at first I was thinking Erica but maybe I'm just I'm like you like maybe I just I wish I were a little more <laughs> outspoken and maybe. like wish that I could just be like okay <laughs> here's the deal like <laughs> like reaching you know and then of course she ends up you know getting some cojones in the wrong day and to the wrong person <laughs> yeah she just she just needed that what was it the raspberry bar like raspberry yeah. scone or something like that I was yeah. like i don't know i love raspberry too i was like i wish i could do that <laughs> like i might have been i might have yeah. that might have been the ticket you know um but yeah and it's I, I could see that where all four of them there are little elements that you look up to or maybe mm -hmm. you wish <laughs> that you were a little bit more like them and then also yeah. that you know that they're also like flawed you know where mm -hmm. and it's okay to relate to that too it's okay to to recognize that in yourself too because it's yes. characters will be so boring and if if they just made all the right decisions they, <laughs> right, know, right. Like, right and that's not realistic right <laughs> exactly um so kind of going off of that what advice would you give to each of them? Hmm. Let's see. So for Madi, I would definitely um, encourage her to lean on her family just because of how the book ends. She's the one I think that needs that the most, um, especially after not really being a part of the family for several years. So mm -hmm. Definitely, I would say it doesn't matter what happened back then. Now you're here. So now you, you're part of the family. You were, mm -hmm. well, she was always part of the family, but um, it's just her getting comfortable in that role. Yeah. And being, you know, under knowing that if something was happening, that she could call one of the cousins and ask for advice or just vent. Mm -hmm. um, for Gracie. Um, it would be definitely to continue to find her voice and speak up, not let people take advantage of her. Yeah, definitely for that for Gracie. Um, for Selena, I would tell her to make sure that she does continue to keep those connections. So, because it's you know it's it's easy when you're so so far away and you can't be at every big event. 
but when you can be, you should be. Mm-hmm. And just to make that effort. Um, and then for Erica, it would be to, you know, stop being so defensive about <laughs> everything, you know, um, to also understand that sometimes being comfortable is not what you need to be. Um, and it's, it's better to constantly be looking and seeing, okay, how can I make my life better? And I, I'm not going to be afraid to try something. Yeah. Just because I'm afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Those are like all very, it's like kind of like on the nose. Like, <laughs> yes. Even though you wish, like if you, if you would have gave them that advice at the beginning of the book, then there'd be no book though. Right. Right. <laughs> right. They had, they had to learn it themselves. You couldn't tell it to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so just a couple more questions as we wrap up here. Let's see. So we kind of like touched on a little bit throughout our conversation. What um what do you hope that readers uh get out of this story? And you don't have to break it up into each point of view, but just as a whole, unless unless you want to, you know. I I would just say in general, I hope well, for readers who have not read the book, I would want them to know that even if they're not Mexican American, even if they're not um, they don't come from a, a Latin family that there are themes that are universal and relatable, you know, no matter what color of your skin, um, no matter what language you speak. And so I would just hope that if they have ever had, you know, fought with somebody in their family and had to forgive them or miss a loved one, I think they would be able to relate to this book. And mm-hmm. so I would hope they would just give it a chance for that. And for those who have read the book, I think I've just been so amazed by some of the reviews about how they do these readers do see themselves and their family um, in the book. And that just means so much to me <clears throat> because that's really, you know, I was just here going to tell a story, you know, about these four cousins and, Yes, you know, their life is similar to my life in some parts, but to hear that readers who don't know me, who don't know my family could relate to, you mm-hmm. know, different scenes or different, you know, things, situations, and also people who have said that they never saw themselves in books before until they read my book. That's really, that's like the best compliment best review I could ever get. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm very happy with the feedback that I've gotten today. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's well-deserved because it's ultimately, ultimately it's like, it's the, it's family, but then it's like really looking into how those, how those different parts, different parts of that family look like and Mm -hmm. how, like how intricate those, storylines can be and you know they're all dealing with their their own stuff but then it's like at the end of the day you know as Walitha says she says like family like always hold on to family like family is most important and that's it's really true because it's you know as people as like for myself it's like I'm getting older like I I'm I'm grateful for like the friends and that the friendships that I've been able to maintain for like you know almost two decades some of them but yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, your family, it's like, that's who you've got. And that's, they're always, they're always going to be around ideally. Yeah. And it's, they're going to be the constant, you know? And mm-hmm. if you don't nourish that, if you don't embrace that, then you're going to be missing a little bit of something, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, cause it's like with Mari's story, it's, she, you know, my, you know, my heart broke for her too. Cause at, at first you're kind of like, well, you know, you're doing this to yourself, girl. But then as you get to know her and her story Mm -hmm. and the reader understands that it's not, there's a reason and there are multiple reasons and Mm -hmm. she's not necessarily trying to do it to herself. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it's also, you know, you kind of touched on Erica where she's a little bit 
out more outspoken and the more headstrong and she's the one who wear it it bothers her the most and she's always mm-hmm. got something to say or she always brings it up <laughs> like yeah. she's always yeah. saying something about the non-existent elephant in the room or like right. the the invisible elephant however you want to call it, the one the elephant that's not there and mm-hmm. those kind of things were just like you know examples of how people can, how leaders can relate and how Mm -hmm. it's just driving the message home. Like, you know, I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed the way that um, you told the story and that we all, we got our, you know, the four cousins point of view. And I I just, yeah, I liked them all. I really did. (laughs) I I didn't, I didn't feel like whenever I got to a certain point of view, I was never like, Oh, okay. Let's like what, whatever. Let's like get this over with. No, I was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. What's going on with her now? Like what? Yeah. You know, and, and they're all, they all made me laugh. They all like, you know, and so it was, it was very heartwarming, very touching, very, um, really warm, fuzzy feelings. And I don't know. I'm a reader where sometimes I'll get sucked in and then I just go for it. But mm-hmm. I think it's, it's also a tribute to like your writing style and the kind of story that you wanted to tell. And, and, oh, thank you. you know, the points that you wanted to drive home that made mm-hmm. it so easy to, to just zip through. And, and I didn't want to put it down after a certain point. I was like, no, nah, I'm just, this is what I'm doing for the rest of the day. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, that's nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So last question. So what's, what's next? Are there any other like future projects that you can talk about? Yeah. So I do have another women's fiction novel coming out next year. Um, it is not a sequel, um, okay. but it is similar story about family lost and forgiveness. Um, it's called too soon for adios and it comes out March 21st of next year. Okay. And it's about a woman who meets her biological father on the day of her mother's funeral. Oh, and she has uh, no idea um, that he existed. He was never part of her life, but now that the mother's gone, he's trying to make amends. And one of the ways he's going to do that is by offering her a house in this um, small town in New Mexico So it's about her journey, one, you know, deciding if she wants to have a relationship uh, with him and two, kind of just discovering who she is without a mom. And then, of course, there's romance. There's romance. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a handsome contractor who's going to help her (laughs) fix up the house (laughs) to sell it. So I had to have some romance in there. Yeah. Um, and then um, speaking of romance, my next uh, romance book at Sabrina soul comes out on November 29th and it's called uh, second chance at Rancho Lindo. And it's the book one in a new series about a family of Mexican American cowboys um, who operate their family's ranch in um, central California. And so the first book is about the brother who ran away to the army um, cause he didn't want to have anything to do with the ranch and, but he, he's injured and has to come back home mm. and decide, you know, what's he going to do now? And working on the ranch now is a woman that he knew when they were kids. She also, she grew up on the ranch because her family worked the ranch and, you know, she has these bad ideas or bad opinions of him. And so it's, how you know he tries to he has to decide if you know again if if he's going to stay or he's going to go and maybe prove himself worthy of her Mm. Mm. so that's what's next for me (laughs) yeah that's cool that that's a new that's going to be a new series um because there's always that's a challenge in itself but there's always a lot of cool stuff that you can do when you when you plan out bigger a larger larger picture of it yes um so yeah and i and i always like i always enjoy that uh you know when you find a good piece and like i because yeah i wish i wish you were gonna revisit the the garcia family but i understand that you know you want to say goodbye to them for now you know it's like yeah (laughs) it's like wrapping it up in a little bow you know right and i mean you know i have heard you know well it's kind of like a cliffhanger i want to know more um i would love to write a sequel 
Um, I'm hoping that this book does very well and my publisher lets me. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I, I kind of know where I want the next journey for them. Um, so I definitely would love to write one and, and hopefully I can. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So Annette Chavez Macias, we got big chicas. Don't cry. It's out now. So go get it. And then add all those other titles to the two read lists. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, thank thank you. you so much. This was such a fun conversation. And like, you know, like I said, I, I really enjoyed this book. Um, warm, fuzzy feelings, very relatable, very interesting and fun characters. And um, you, you, you root for everyone. You root for everyone mm-hmm. and you want to, you definitely want to, there's always that hope for the, um, you know, the happy ending, but it's, you know, even when you can't do that, it's like, I, I personally, my opinion, I liked where everything ended up. So <laughs> I felt it was really appropriate and very good because it's it's not that like you can't always get what you want, but you can't always have that nice, happy ending. But it wasn't right. like it wasn't a sad ending. It wasn't a bad ending. I right. Everyone ended up where they should they they were supposed to i believe so um but yes thank you you know thank you so much and like i said i'll i'll keep an eye on both your pen names so that um you know i could i could keep an eye on everything else you've got coming up oh great well thank you so much i i love talking with you and um again i just feel so you know grateful that people are are having nice things to say (laughs) (laughs) yes it's like keep the keep that momentum going keep add that to your like little confidence spin as you go (laughs) embark on your other projects because you're obviously doing something right okay and that was annette chavez macias talking about big chicas don't cry the book is available now as always you can find links to follow her on social as well as to purchase the book in the show notes And please do rate, review, subscribe to our podcast. And you can read my book reviews and stay updated on author interviews by following the Nerd Cantina and Cantina Book Club on Instagram and on Twitter. And as always, feel free to reach out if you need any book recommendations. And thanks for listening.